Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to have you guys with us here today. Today is going to be a great day at the Gathering Church. Here's how I know anytime we have serious uh, technical issues, it's almost always a great day at the Gathering Church. So this morning we came in, and we have this big light bar up here, and uh, the entire thing right now, you can't see it, but it's completely dark. Not a single one of those lights is functioning. And uh, also, this projector did not work until about 10 minutes before our first service came in this morning. I just talked to one of my overseers who pastors a church in Denver, Colorado, and they had the exact same technical issues this morning. I believe God wants to move across the country today in churches. So it's going to be a good day at the gathering. Just yesterday, uh, a lot of our women were at a draw near event called Delight. And uh, one of our, one of, Robert is one of our pastors on staff. His wife, April, is one of the most talented humans on planet Earth. And along with a group of talented women, they put up this pop-up event uh, yesterday. I got to be a very small part of it. And I walked into the room and I, I told Robert that it was absolutely the most feminine environment I had ever experienced. So I think that's a compliment. So man, it, it was... It was fantastic, uh, and so welcome if you're with us this morning because you were up here for that. Um, we're happy to have you as well. Now, if today is your first time at the gathering, let me tell you a little bit about us. One of the things that we've set out to do from the very beginning is approach church as simply as possible, with as much simplicity as possible. We want to remove the question marks. We want to remove all the, all the curiosity about what's next. How do, I, how do I move forward? What's this? What's that? And so we only do one thing here. We are just trying to move people along a clear spiritual pathway towards the purpose God created them for. In fact, uh, we, Billy Graham went to be with Jesus this week, and man, I'm just happy for him. You know, actually, I, there, we've lost a lot of celebrities in the last two years, and every time we lose one, there was so much sadness in the media, and my social media feeds were just filled with people sad and mournful. And what I appreciated about these last week or so was that everything I saw was joyful and celebratory about, about Pastor Billy going up to be with Jesus, and I think that just speaks to his life. And one of the things that he used to say was he would get up there in front of these you know, millions of people, and he would, in his crusades, constantly tell people that they were created for a reason. That the, every question inside of them could be answered with one answer, and that was Jesus. That Jesus was the answer for every question inside their soul. And we believe this morning that the church's job is to point people as simply as possible towards that answer. And so we believe that God wants one, one, one thing for you, and that is for you to follow this clear pathway that you might know God, that you might experience Him personally, that you might have intimacy with Him, that you might have relationship with Him, that you might find freedom, that you might be able to find freedom from all the things in your life that you've carried with you for far too long from the things that keep you from being able to move forward. And we believe that once you find freedom and all of the, the mystery starts to be cleared away and all, the, all of the hurt and the pain and the mistakes of your past start to be cleared away, that you're able to discover your purpose. 
And we believe that every single person who has ever been born or ever will be born was created with a specific purpose in mind, that it's yours, that God gave it to you. And in this series, over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about discovering that purpose, about believing in that purpose, about pursuing that purpose, and that if we can do that, God will use that purpose within us to make a difference for others in this world. And so I'm so excited uh, to get into this series with you. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open up with me to Judges chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 for the focal passage today. It says this, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Uh, today's message is titled, Do It Unqualified. Do It Unqualified. I was in the Coast Guard for nine years. Uh, I joined the Coast Guard when I was 19 years old, and the job that I chose in the very beginning was to be a gunner's mate. Now, to be a gunner's mate in the Coast Guard meant I was responsible for weapons, care, uh, distribution, and maintenance. And I was also on the ship given the additional expectation that I would take part in the law enforcement operations of the ship. And so I reported to the Coast Guard Cutter Venturist, my very first unit out of A school training where I learned to be a gunner's mate. Uh, on, uh, my, I was uh, just after my 20th birthday, actually. And so just after my 20th birthday, I arrived there, and we were two weeks out from our very first patrol with me on board. Lucky them. Now, they were, they were about three people short. Uh, for their law enforcement billets. The law enforcement teams that they had were missing about three people. Since I was there and I was new and I was supposed to do it anyways, they decided that I was going to be on one of those law enforcement teams on my very first patrol. And so normally for my job, they would have sent me to a six-week police academy style training at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. Instead, they sent me through a five-day uh, BTM, boarding team member, roadshow, uh, and they gave me the crash course on how to be a, a law enforcement officer for the Coast Guard. And so here we go, 20-year-old, uh, 135-pound John Mark Redwine reporting for duty, you know, and so we get underway. And uh, two weeks in, I'm on the team roster, and the sirens go off. We got a bad guy to chase, and I got my very first boarding. We had intelligence that this Honduran fisher ve fishing vessel was carrying drugs. And so we go after them, and we catch up to these guys, and we go to get on board. It's about a 40-foot fishing boat. And all, I'm on a, a team of four, and the other three guys are very experienced, been doing this a long time, very good at what they do, and so they get on board and start following procedures. And I'm just, just keeping up, you know? I'm just doing whatever the guy in front of me is doing. I'm imagine you're on a SWAT team, and it's just you with all the knowledge you have about being on a SWAT team. These guys are, are doing all the, they're moving all the personnel to one area of the ship, and then they're going to systematically check for drugs all over the vessel. And I'm just following people. Well, the, it comes time, we get all the guys on the one portion of the ship, and it comes time to go below decks to start looking for the drugs. And the boarding officer, the guy in charge, he turns to me and says, Redwine, I want you to stay up here 
with the fishing crew and I want you to get the paperwork from the captain and call it in to verify it. And I said, yes, sir, you got it. Oh, but wait, I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what to do. I'm, I don't leave me all alone. And next thing I know, he's gone. <laughs> and so here I am, 135 pounds of me, looking ready for business. <laughs> had a glorious mustache at the time out to about there. I had reflective Ray-Ban sunglasses on. <laughs> big old bulletproof vest. I turned around and I looked at this guy and I said, okay, captain. And he came up, he came up to me and I said, uh, give me your papers. And then was in that moment that I realized this man spoke no English, not a single word. Fortunately for me, I received Spanish training in high school. <laughs> and so all I had to do was remember the sentence for give me your papers. And so I turned and I looked at this gentleman. I had my hand on my belt like John Wayne. And I looked at him and I said, Dame tus manos. Now, if you don't speak Spanish, what I just said was, give me your hands. And this guy looked at me, and he just went like this. And I immediately realized what I had said. I remembered that the word for paper is papel. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing. So I just, I just reached out. <laughs> I don't know, what, what do you do? You know, I don't know, I don't know, I just, just took his hands. And on that day, we bridged a cultural divide. <laughs> and I'm holding his hands, and I just look him dead in the eyes. And as serious as I could, I said, papeles. <laughs> he turned around, man. He got those papers so quick. He'd never been more freaked out in his entire life, man. I got those papers. I called him in like a boss. I did what I came to do here today. You don't mess with me. Man, have you ever had to do something and you felt severely underqualified? Have you ever had to do something you felt like they just couldn't have gotten a more wrong person for the job? A lot of times, I think we feel this way when it comes to our calling. I think a lot of times when it comes to facing the purpose that God put us here for, when we're faced down with acknowledging it, going after it, a lot of times we feel like we're just not qualified for this. Like we haven't had enough training. Like we don't know what we're doing. Like we're certain to go out there and make a fool of ourselves. Maybe you feel like you've got a calling. Like God has placed you here in this season for a specific reason. But you're hesitant to accept. Hesitant to take those first steps. Because what if you aren't good enough? What if you fail? What if you don't have what it takes? What if you aren't smart enough? What if you let them down? I believe that you were created with a specific purpose in mind. And that purpose can lead you to the calling you have in this life. That God is going to call you in that purpose to make decisions that are bigger than yourself. And when you feel that calling, and when you feel that purpose, that tension rising up inside of you, it can be terrifying. And so over the next four weeks, I want to study the story of someone in the Bible facing down this exact same thing. You see, over and over in Scripture, we get examples, especially in the Old Testament, Old Testament of folks being called to do things that are far bigger than themselves. And almost every time, those who are being called don't feel like they're big enough for the calling. And so Judges is a great example of that. And in this 
passage in verses 6, 7, and 8 that we'll study over the next four weeks, we're going to look at a man named Gideon. And Gideon did not meet the qualifications of his calling. And in fact, I'll I'll get to it in a second. But in those times, uh, there was kind of a pattern that was going on in Israel. You see, Israel was called to be set apart from the other nations around it, to be the nation that honors God and that God reveals himself to the world through. He had selected and chosen them to be his chosen people. But over and over again, they would turn from him. And they would worship the gods and the idols of all the people groups around them. And they would fail and he would set before them a set of standards and they would fail on those standards. And so God would allow them to be invaded or he would send something their way to catch their attention again. And then he would raise somebody up to rescue them. Well, Judges chapter 6 verses 1 through 10 describes just such a time. And the people had fallen away from God. And so God had allowed a huge people group called the Midianites to overwhelm them. Every harvest season, the Israelites would have huge invasions come in and they would take away almost all the food they had grown and almost all the livestock that they had raised and even steal their riches and take things from them. And the Israelite people were feeling completely oppressed and they were starving to death in one of the most fertile regions in the Middle East. And then God raised somebody up to deliver them from that season. And so in verse 11, we meet that someone. What I'd like to do this morning is read you this whole story, and then I want to go back in and break it down a little bit. So let's look at verses 11 through 27 this morning. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak next to Oprah, who was before her talk show days. That's so it's Ophrah. Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Uh, pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Uh, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and made from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand. And fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, 
Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abesrites. That same night when the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. The altar to Baal and the Asherah pole were two items of worship to foreign gods. God is calling Gideon to destroy them. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than daytime. Okay, that's a lot of Old Testament all at once. Breathe a little. It's going to be okay. I'm going to break it down a little bit for us this morning. I love this story of Gideon because I believe it's one of the most honest approaches to how we experience and deal with calling that we see written in the Old Testament. So I believe that Gideon expressed a lot of the feelings that we feel when God calls us to the bigger thing that he's created us to do. And so let's break it down a little bit this morning. Here's a few things, a few reasons that we don't follow the calling that God's given us. Number one, is we only see our limitations. We only see our limitations. You see, Gideon, he, he, got, he got the angel of the Lord's calling on his life, but he remained fixated on the reasons he couldn't do it. It says in verse 13, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And maybe you already see a little bit of yourself in this response. Maybe you felt God's calling on your life. You felt him tell you that you're meant for something more, but your response is, God, if you've created me for something more, if I'm really meant to have purpose, why has all of this happened to me? Why, 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 if you created me for some big purpose, why did my parents have so much trouble? Why did they separate when I was eight years old? God, if you created me to do such amazing things why did my marriage end? God, if you've created me to do such amazing things, why did I suffer at the hands of those people? Why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why did I lose my job? Why am I struggling hand to mouth week by week? God, if you've created me for such a great purpose, where have you been? And Gideon continues. He says, where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Gideon says, look around, God. You want me to be a warrior? I'm a part of a people who are conquered and afraid, and I am one of the most afraid among them. You got the wrong guy. It's too little, too late. You got the wrong people group. Sometimes we feel the voice of God calling us to something greater, but we get fixated on our limitations. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. I've made too many mistakes. Look at the struggles I've had. Look at the things that I've done. Look at what's happened to me, God. I can't be the person that you're looking for in this calling. In Exodus chapter 4, Moses is being called to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And he's talking to the voice of God through a burning bush. 
And God says, I've called you to do this. And Moses' excuse is that he's not a very good public speaker. God, I'm just not a very good public speaker. It sounds like a lot of people. I don't know. I haven't counted lately, but it sounds like you want me to talk to a lot of people. I can't do it. We only see our limitations. We get stuck on the reason after reason why we shouldn't be able to do what God's called us to do. The second lie that we believe, the second thing that keeps us from pursuing our calling or finding our purpose is we see our present position and restrictions. Gideon looks around when this angel calls him, and he is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, excuse me if you're the wheat farmer in the room, and all this is stuff you know, but a, wine, a, 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 a wheat threshing floor is an open portion of the field that has a, a, a nice spot where a little bit of wind goes by. Because when you're separating the grain from the stalk, the chaff that's a part of that grain needs to be blown away. It needs to go away with the wind so that you get a, a better, uh, more pure grain in the grain pile. It's something that you really should be doing in the open. Gideon is in a wine press. A wine press is an open pit in the ground. A big circle that you would go down in and you would stomp on all those grapes. And you would have some music playing, an accordion player, and you would stomp the grapes to make wine. Gideon is make, he's threshing wheat in a wine press because he is a coward and he is afraid. His bread is not going to taste very good. It's going to have chaff in it. It's going to be grainy. It's going to taste weird. The consistency will be wrong. But Gideon is more concerned with remaining safe than he is with delivering a good product. And that is where the angel finds him and calls him a mighty warrior. Judges 6.15, he says, uh, Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least. In my family. You know, I have to believe that if Gideon is saying that about himself, at some point somebody spoke that into him. Because often the worst things that we see in ourselves are things that somebody at some point spoke into us and we allowed those lies to become our truth. Gideon grew up being told that he would never amount to anything that he was the least in his family, that he was an embarrassment to his father, that he couldn't be a warrior, that he couldn't be, he would never be the, the best in, in agriculture, that he would never be the best in the family, that of his brothers, that he would only ever serve them, that nobody would ever serve under him because he is the least in his family. And I think a lot of times we let those voices from our past rattle in our heads and tell us about all the things that we can't do. We get fixated on our present position, on our current limitations, on all the reasons that we believe we can't do something because a long time ago, somebody spoke the wrong truth into our lives. It's time to take our eyes off this present position and start moving them towards where God says we need to go. The third thing that gets in our way, the third thing is we believe fear is absent in bravery. We believe fear is absent in bravery. Here's a myth we need to overcome today. We believe that to have big faith, we need to be bold and fearless. That, that in order to be brave, to have courage, we can't be afraid. But that's not what bravery is. Bravery is being afraid and doing it anyways. 
Gideon, just like us, had all these reasons and all these excuses not to be the man God was calling him to be. Now, I remember when God called us to start this church. We told a little bit of that story last week. We had a Vision Sunday. If you want to know who we are and what we get excited about, and you weren't here last week, you can find that online on our website. I recommend it. Um, you get to hear my wife talk, and she's better than I am, so it's a, it's a treat for you. But Rael and I told you the story of when we felt God call us to start this church, but what I left out was that in the hours of prayer preceding the moment we knew God was calling us here to this city to start this church, I was arguing with God. I was telling him that he had the wrong person, that he had called the wrong guy, that it couldn't be me, that he couldn't be calling me to this because I would never be smart enough. I would never be good enough. I was telling God to look back at my life, series of disappointment and failure after disappointment and failure, that I would never be brave enough to go start a church in a city where church plants fail, that I would never have the ability to speak to. I had never preached to adults before. I didn't know if I would have anything to say. I told God, nobody's going to want to listen to any of the words that come out of my mouth. God, I've never had the smartest ideas in the room. How am I supposed to innovate and lead and create a church? Nobody will follow me. People know me too well. It's not going to work, God. You've got the wrong guy. Release me from this calling. You've made a mistake. I've gone too far. I will never be good enough. Let me go. I'm doing the only thing I'll ever be able to do right now. And that's where Gideon was, and that's where many of us find ourselves. So what's your calling? What's the purpose you feel in your bones, in your design, in your creation? You know, one of the things we teach in Growth Track is that your design reveals your destiny. That God just didn't make any mistakes when he made you. That he just didn't. That you're, not, you're not just a happenstance. You're not an accident. You're not something that just happened by mistake. God formed you. He created you. And everything in you, he put there for a purpose. So what's the purpose rising up inside of you? What's the thing within you that you just can't seem to get out of your head? What is it? What's the voice repeating over and over again? I believe that God is speaking to us that it's time to move on it. That it's time to find that purpose, to discover that purpose, and to live in it. That it's time to stop making excuses. Has He called you to action, but like Gideon and like me, have you been finding a million reasons why he's wrong? See, we have to do it, what we're made to do, even if it means we have to do it scared. So here's the truth that we can learn from this story today. We see our limitations, but God sees our purpose. We see our limitations, but God sees our purpose. In verse 12, as the, as the first words the angel speaks to Gideon, it says, when the, Lord, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He didn't say the Lord is with you, Gideon of Manasseh, least of your tribe, worst in your family. He didn't say the Lord is with you, O great thresher of wheat, deep within the winepress you dwell. He didn't say the Lord is with you, Gideon the scaredy cat. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You see, God knew what he created Gideon to do. See, from the very beginning, 
God had dreams for Gideon. He had a plan for him. He had a purpose in his creation. And when God called him, he didn't call him based on his present position. He called him based on his future purpose. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You were created and crafted with a purpose in mind. Let that sink into you this morning. Your gifts, your passions, your life experiences, the, the, even the pain you've experienced in your life, all of these things are leading you towards the place God has always dreamed for you to be. See, he's created you to live in fulfillment and to thrive and to wake up each day feeling joy and victory and satisfaction. And that only comes when you discover the reason he's put you here and you start living in it. Jeremiah was a prophet that was called at a young age as a teenager. And he was called to be a prophet during one of Israel's most tumultuous times. He was going to have to tell them a lot of things that would not be popular. And as God called him, he doubted whether or not he was even the right person for the job. But God said to him in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as the prophet to the nations. You aren't born, you are created. You are designed. Your gifts, the things that you've always been good at, the things that you love, the things that you get passionate about, that is part of the reason that God puts you here. It's a part of the purpose that he's created inside of you. He has dreams for you. And Jeremiah, after doing this for many years and receiving a lot of negative feedback because of the convicting messages he would bring to the Israelites, he doubted it again whether or not he was even in the right place or if God even had the right person. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has created you and he's got a plan for you and that plan is going to lead you closer to your design and the reason that you're here and the satisfaction and the abundance that you were meant to experience in this life. It's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be, it's not, it's not, it's not a prosperity thing. God hasn't just created you to go through life without any struggles or without any problems, but God has made you in such a way that if you live in your purpose and do the things God's created you to do, that even when you suffer, you will count it as gain. Second thing, truth that I want to learn from this passage is that God sees our future potential and our present design. He's not looking into your past. He's not looking into your position. He's not looking at your mistakes. He's not looking at all the reasons you can't do it. He doesn't care about your position. He cares about the way that he made you, the way that he made you. He doesn't care about your, restriction, your restrictions. He cares about the enormous potential that he placed inside of you. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of, the, out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He didn't say to him, Gideon, in order to find the strength you will need, journey far into the land of the elves where they will forge for you the sword of Aragon to vanquish your enemies. He didn't say to him, Gideon, if you will go and find a band of merry men, you will find in each other the strength you need to do the things I've called you to do. No, he said, Gideon, go in the strength you have as in the strength I made you with. 
as in the strength I created inside of you, as in the strength that I know it's there because I put it there, as in the strength that you haven't even seen in yourself, as in the strength that you forgot that you had in the first place, Gideon, who is the one that is asking you to do this? It is me. Am I not the one who is sending you, the creator of the universe, the master of all creation, the one who spoke it into existence? If God says you can do it, you can do it. If God says he's calling you to it, he's calling you to it. God said the same thing to Moses when Moses told God to ask somebody else to deliver Israel. Moses begged God in Exodus 3 and 4 to, to, to choose somebody else, anybody else, that Moses said, I'm not the right person to do this. And God said, Moses, am I not the one who is sending you? Over and over again, God has to remind us that if it's a God-sized calling, God will be in it. That if it, if it is a God-ordained purpose, that God has ordained it and he will be in it. Go in the strength you have and know that you're going with the maker of the universe. My prayer is that you would know that you have strength in you. That you were made to do something wonderful beyond your wildest imagination. Psalm 139 is my prayer for you. That you would be able to say, as the psalmist says in verse 13 and 14, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My prayer is that you would know that full well, that you would have knowledge that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We've been on a journey at the gathering over the last seven weeks since this year started. We started first in a series talking about our health, about how if we want to do the things God's made us to do, we got to get healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy, and emotionally healthy. I gave you some resources to pursue that. This last series, we talked about finding freedom. The series was called Breaking Free, and we talked about addiction, and we talked about sexual strongholds, and we talked about living in, in all of the lies that this world would place on us. And so my hope is that if you've been with us for the duration of that time, that you've acted on some of this, that you've been working to get healthy, that you've been working to find freedom, to break free of all the things that have kept you from living the life God's made you to live. And in this series, all I want for you is for you to be able to see that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God's given you a purpose, and His dream is for you to pursue it. The third thing, that we've got to learn a truth that we can see in this passage this morning is that faith and fear can exist together. Faith and fear can exist together. You can be brave and terrified at the same time. You can have big faith and you can have big doubts in the exact same moment. You can move in faith and you can be scared. Listen, doing the things that God calls us to do is never not scary. In fact, a good way to test whether or not God has called you to do it is if it is too big for you to do. God doesn't call us to easy stuff. He doesn't call us to things that don't terrify the, the living heck out of us. I mean, come on. God calls us to do things that are bigger than us so He will be glorified in it. It's not a you-sized calling. It's a God-sized calling. It's not a you-given purpose. It's a God-given purpose. And so it's going to be scary. You can be scared. You just, you just have to do it scared. In verse 27, I love the way that this, this part of the story resolves. 
first thing that God calls Gideon to do is to tear down these idols, to destroy the altar. And it says, so Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. He was obedient. He argued with God. He tested God, maybe too much, but he was obedient. But look at the next verse. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. God told Gideon to tear down the idols. And Gideon did it. He tore down the idols, but he was terrified. He was afraid the whole time. He was looking around the entire evening. He did it in the middle of the night when everybody was asleep. He said, yes, God's called me to do this thing and I will do it. After everybody goes to bed, I will conquer this city for the Lord. Once you're all asleep and you can't find me. And the next morning he went and hid under a blanket in his tent while everybody woke up. Actually, his father protected him. His father, who he was so afraid of, it says he was afraid of his family, and his father is the one who protected him from those townspeople because if God is calling you to do it, even if you do it when you're afraid, God will provide for you to do it. Listen, it's okay if you're scared. It's okay if you're terrified. It's okay if you're afraid. It's okay if you do the thing that God called you to do in the cover of darkness. That's not being unfaithful. That's not having small faith. That's, that's having wisdom. In fact, I think this part of the passage is a great example of that we can do big things in faith and we can be smart about it, that we can, we can analyze the best way to do it. Sometimes our fear allows us to do that, forces us to do that. When we said yes to starting this church, we didn't just move here and invite people to church. We asked questions and we, we, we studied churches and we, we apprenticed people and built a team and we, we did everything that we could to alleviate some of that fear. Now, it was terrifying on February 21st, 2016, when we had this first service. I had no idea if anybody was coming. We were scared, but we followed through on what God called us to do. And this story just reminds me every time I read it, and I read it often because I need it often, that it's okay to be afraid and do the thing God's called you to do. And that every time I argue with God and say, God, I'm not good enough for this, God says it doesn't matter if you're good enough for this. Go in the strength you have and remember who's going to be with you. That night we were in the tent and I remember laying there just telling God that I would never be smart enough. I would never be brave enough. I would never be bold enough. I would never be ready. I would never be qualified enough. I would never, I would never have the strength to do it. I would never, I just, God, you've got the wrong person. And I remember just a moment of quietness. And the Spirit just moved in me. And He just said, John Mark, I know. I know because I made you. I know about all your weaknesses. I know every mistake. I know every misstep you've taken along the way. I know all the reasons it shouldn't work. But John Mark, I am the one who is calling you. And I will be with you. John Mark, you don't have to be enough. I will be enough for you. John Mark, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I will send smarter people around you. John Mark, you, you just have to say yes. All, all I need is obedience. You just got to follow my call. You can be afraid. You can be terrified. But all I need is your obedience. Just say yes. And so I looked at Rael, who had said yes about three hours prior. And I just said, okay, God says to do it. We're going to do it. And here we are. <laughs> I'm still scared. <laughs> but here we are. 
So what's God called you to do? What, what's he whispering into your heart? What's the dream he's provided for you? Is it bigger than you? Is it bigger than your abilities? Is it bigger than your past? Is it bigger than anything you ever saw in yourself? Good. That means God's in it. You know, God doesn't like to call people who are qualified. Did you know that about God? God doesn't like to call people who've got it all figured out because God wants the glory when the good thing happens. God wants to be acknowledged for the miracle, and in order for that to happen, there's got to be room for the miracle. God calls people who are terrified. God called Moses, who was a murderer and a sheep herder and didn't like speaking in public, to lead two million people out of slavery and into the promised land. God, God called Gideon, who was threshing wheat in a wine press, who thought nothing of himself, to deliver his people from a million oppressors. God called the disciples, humble fishermen, townspeople, guys with no real qualifications to change the world by beginning the local church. See, God loves to call people who aren't ready. He loves to call people who aren't prepared. He loves to call people who aren't qualified. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That's his MO. That's what he does. He loves it. He loves to see something come out of you that you didn't even know was there. That he placed there as he... I love every of those, all those verses in the Bible that talk about him developing, growing you, creating you in the womb. Because I got a baby cooking right now. And I just love to think about what God's doing in her. I love to think that right now, he's creating purpose for her. That right now, he's creating dreams for her. He's creating plans for her. Listen, you may have thought your entire life that you were never going to amount to anything. Maybe somebody important to you told you that, but listen to me. The one who actually made you, who formed you, who put you together, placed every part of you inside of you, said, I've got a purpose for you. You're going to amount to everything that I say you will amount to. That, that, listen, if you came in here this morning seeking the meaning of life, good news for you. Here it comes. Ready? You were created to glorify God and serve people. And there is a purpose inside of you in which only you can do those things. Don't deprive the world of it. You've got to pursue it. Now, if you're in here this morning and you're just thinking, you know, that's all well and good, but I don't, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my calling is. This would be great if I knew what it was and I was just too scared to do it, but I'm too scared to even ask what it is. Or I don't know what it is. I don't, how, am I, how am I supposed to discover that? How am I supposed to even begin that journey? If you just believe that God can do it in you, if you believe that it's okay to do it scared, if you, if you find freedom from those things that were holding you back and you just say, God, I know you've put me here for a reason. What is it? Lead me in it. I'm ready. Call me. I will say yes, no matter how big, no matter how scary, no matter how unqualified I feel, God, you say go and I will say where. Then we got something for you. It's called Growth Track. Next week, you come to Growth Track. Our whole goal is to lead you over the course of four weeks to discover your purpose. We want to go on a journey with you. We want to help you discover exactly who you are. Growth Track is so good because it's not just designed like as a generic way to find who you are. We're going to get into who you are. We're going to get personal. We're going to ask questions that are going to make you wonder how you were created. We want you to discover your purpose. And we don't think that that four-week course will lead you to the, the call of God on your life, the, a big opening in the clouds when you walk out one day. We just think it's the best way to get started. It's the best way to get started. 
Next week, if you're in here and you're, you're struggling with calling, you don't even know, you know, where, where do I, I feel like maybe this is God. Maybe he's, 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 he's pushing in on my life. And I want to say yes. I want to be brave. I want to have faith. But I don't know, is this God? Is this me? Is this God? Is this Oprah? I don't know for sure. Next week, our message is all about calling. How to discern it? How do we know if this is God on our life? How do we know if this is God's voice? Is this my voice? How do we separate them out? How do we test the call of God? Gideon tested the call of God, maybe a little bit too much. We're going to talk about that next week. Teddy Winter is the campus pastor for Seacoast Asheville, one of my closest friends and mentors. He's been doing ministry in this city uh, for 20 plus years, and he has been a cheerleader of this church since before we began. He's going to be on stage here with you next week. I can't, I'm so excited for this. Robbie and I will be in Guatemala uh, exploring how we can take you to Guatemala and mission trips later this year. And so come next week to hear Teddy preach from this stage about how to discern your calling. And let's just go on this journey together. Let's just say, whatever it is, God, we're available. We're ready. I, I know it's scary, but God, I'm, I'm ready to do it scared. I know it's going to be big, but God, I'm ready to do it big. I know that you've created me for something, and so I'm ready to find out what it is. God, I know that you've given me this dream in my heart, and I'm going to stop saying I'm not good enough for it. I'm going to stop saying I'm not big enough for it. I'm, I'm going to stop saying I'm not brave enough for it. God, I'm ready to just go after what you put me here to do. Let's pursue it together.